whole thing, and then you guys will have the opportunity to sit. But Acts chapter 1 and verse 13. And when they came in, they went up into an upper room. And it continues to list the name of the disciples that were there. But I just want to take the text. When they were come in, they went up into an upper room. So today I'm going to be speaking on the upper room. If you will, one more time, will you pray with me before we're seated? Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Hallelujah. So much for your presence that is here this morning. And we pray, God. Hallelujah, that you would speak to us today. Open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Anoint my mind and my heart as I deliver your word. Lord Jesus, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Now, I'm going to read a little bit more to give us some context, because I know that's just a few words there. But what I'm about to read from is the period of time after the crucifixion, but before the day of Pentecost. So if you guys remember, Easter was just a couple weeks ago, and next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. And if you don't know what that is, there's going to be some spoilers, but I don't know if they count as spoilers 2,000 years later. But um, the Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. But what I want to talk about is the time in between. It was quite an emotional roller coaster for the disciples. They see Jesus crucified, And then they're heartbroken, they're shattered, their teacher, their master, their rabbi, the son of God is crucified. And then three days later, they think that his body has been stolen. So another just emotional period for them. And then they find out that he, he appears into them that no, he's risen. And so the joy that they must have felt. And Jesus continued with them about 40 days. And he ascends into heaven, and then we find them in the upper room before the day of Pentecost. And I believe that that is exactly where we are here today. We're between Easter and Pentecost, and we're here in the upper room. And I'll explain that in just a moment. But I just want to read for us Luke 24, starting at verse 44, and then we're going to go to Acts. Keep in mind that Acts, the book of Acts, was written by Luke. So we're going at the very end of the book of Luke into part two, Luke part two, which is Acts. So it kind of just flows together. It's the same author speaking of these things. So Acts 24, verse 44, it says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it is behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are my witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. And this is what he says, says, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while Jesus blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. So Luke 
ends his first book here talking about Jesus, his final words to them before he ascends into heaven. God gave them instructions. He said that I'm going to send the promise to you. Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So now just quickly, we're going to go to Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 9. I'm just going to read a couple scriptures here. Acts 1 and 9, it says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by him in white apparel. So he's picking up the story. It's the same story. It's Jesus' ascension, but yet we get the rest of the story now. It says, as Jesus was going up, they're all watching him. As he goes up, 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 they're just staring and watching. And these two men in white apparel... They said, or which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which pastor went to as well, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode, that's the scripture we read in the beginning, they went into the upper room. There was Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, and Judas, the brother of James. So it was the 12 disciples minus the Judas that betrayed him. So the 11 were there. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So we find here that Jesus gave them instructions. He said, go back to Jerusalem and wait until my promise comes. And so we get the rest of the story here in Acts where they did. They followed God's instructions. They went back into Jerusalem, and they went to the upper room. Now, it's believed that this is the same upper room as the Last Supper, where they broke bread with Jesus, where Jesus gave us what we now do as communion. But we remember the shedding of his blood and the breaking of his body, which we know at the time they didn't understand. But now we have that understanding. They went back to that place that they encountered God, that they communed with God. And they went there, and it says they continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And in Acts 2.1, I don't want to get into his sermon next Sunday, the day of Pentecost. I'm sure he'll preach from Acts chapter 2 where the Spirit fell. But what I just want to focus on is verse 1. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And that place was the upper room. So it was the upper room that Jesus and the disciples celebrated the Passover together, that he gave the Lord's Supper. It was the upper room that Jesus spoke the words of John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is the same place where Jesus communed with them. And when the agony of the crucifixion had passed and the glory of the resurrection happened, Many believe it was through the locked door of the upper room that Jesus came and showed himself to the disciples. It was also the upper room that the disciples went to, as we read, after the ascension and when Jesus poured out his spirit, we know the day of Pentecost was there. And so you might be asking, well, why is this so important? 
the disciples were given these instructions and they were given a promise. He said, go to Jerusalem and tarry until the promise comes. And I believe that God has given us those same instructions for us today. Because you see, the upper room is not a geographical location. It is a place where we seek the living God. The upper room is here. It's the church. It's the altar. It's your prayer closet at home. It's your bed late at night. The upper room is those places where we encounter God, where we commune with God. The upper room is a place where our spirits are renewed and the obstacles of life are brought into perspective. There's a preacher that told the story where he had to preach a revival. He preached Sunday morning, Sunday night. He didn't get very good sleep that night, and he had to get up early the next morning to get on a flight. And since he didn't sleep so good, he said, well, I'll, I'll sleep on the plane. But unfortunately, he sat next to a talker. So he was on the plane, and he was talking the whole time, so he didn't get any rest. And the plane was late, so as soon as he gets off the plane, a church member picks him up to take him to the revival that he's preaching. He didn't even have the opportunity to freshen up. He was exhausted. He felt yucky. And so as he preached, he, you know, he pretty much walked straight up to the pulpit. I feel so bad when pastor has to do that. We leave here and we go to Brother Hamby's church and he goes straight in the car and walks up to the pulpit to preach. I know it's not easy. This preacher, he goes, he preaches, and as he's preaching, he's pouring his heart and soul out, and he's starting to feel the fatigue. And when the service was over, they led him back into the fellowship hall where they had a whole line, a whole processional waiting for him. Everybody wanted to shake his hand. And at this point, he's just absolutely drained, utterly exhausted. And so he's going through the line. He's shaking everybody's hands. And then when he gets almost to the end, a gentleman moves out of the way, and he sees his youngest daughter there. She was going to college a couple hours away, and when she heard that he was there, she borrowed a car so she could drive the few hours to get there so she could see him and hear him preach. And so afterwards, of course, they wanted to talk with each other. They wanted to commune together, and so they go out and have a piece of pie, and they're talking for a couple hours, and when she finally left, he realized the most unusual thing, that he didn't feel tired anymore, that he had spent time with someone that was very special to him. He found himself renewed, rejuvenated. And when we spend time with God, when we spend time in the presence of God, that's where we are renewed. That's where we are regenerated, where we're strengthened. When we spend time in prayer, when we spend time in the upper room, we can get that renewal, that rejuvenation, that strength that we need to make it through. The upper room is a place of prayer. A lot of prayer took place in that original upper room. In fact, the prayers offered by the disciples didn't just last for a few hours. They stretched over periods of weeks. The upper room is a place where we can study and meditate on the scriptures, a quiet place. We read that they were continually 
praising and blessing God in Luke. And in Acts, continually in prayer, it says, it's so easy to go about our day-to-day life pushing God to the back burner, but we have to remember just as the disciples that we have a promise. We have access to the power of God and eternity with him through his spirit. If we want the power to fall, if we want to see revival, we first have to spend time in the upper room. We first have to spend time in prayer with Jesus. If you want all that God has for you, then you've got to go up to the upper room. If you want deliverance from drugs and alcohol, go to the upper room. If you want your children to be saved, go to the upper room. If you want freedom from depression and anxiety, go to the upper room. Hallelujah. It's what the upper room is all about, is that time of prayer. In the upper room was more, more than just an experience. We hear it always preached on the day of Pentecost. Usually the only time we hear the words the upper room is when God poured out the Holy Ghost. But it wasn't just a one-time experience. It was the beginning of a lifestyle of consecration to God. They didn't wait around until the Spirit fell to start praying, and they didn't stop praying after it was poured out either. We know that after the 120 got the Holy Ghost, then 3,000 were filled with the Holy Ghost. We know that it didn't just stop there. And if you think about it, if, if God wanted to, he could have poured out his Spirit as he was ascending to heaven, right? Why not? He's going up into heaven. All his disciples were there, possibly the 120 that were in the upper room. I don't know, but they were there, and they were watching him go up. As he was going up, and they were looking up, they were looking towards Jesus. Why not just pour out your Spirit right then and there? I believe that God was teaching them as he is teaching us that we need to have a lifestyle of actively seeking God. He wanted them to seek. They went back to the upper room and they prayed and they waited. This life, as Pastor talked about, is a race. It's a journey, right? Our, most of our life is spent waiting and praying. Hallelujah. And I believe that the upper room, this period of time that they spent in there, it was a time that they learned how to have a relationship with God without God there. The disciples spent their ministry with physical, with Jesus, his physical body there. And so I think that God needed them to pray and to pray and to pray and to wait for his spirit to be poured out so that they could learn how to have a lifestyle of seeking God. They were there, they were waiting, they were seeking after God. But let's face it, that's a lot of work, right? It's hard. It takes time and discipline to build these habits in our lives. And sometimes the search for the upper room is long and difficult. As a parent, you have very, very, very limited time to yourself Some of you may be single parents or maybe you work long hours. The reasons not to are forever long, right? Hallelujah. But it's it's hard, I know that, to choose to use what little time that you have for prayer and for reading the Bible. And the discipline of even just trying to wake up a few minutes earlier in the morning 
is hard. It's like trying to exercise or diet. You know, you say you're going to start on Monday, and then the next thing you know, Monday's come and gone, and you say, okay, next Monday. You don't say Tuesday. You don't say, I'm going to start tomorrow. Oh, we'll start next Monday. And then, oh, no, I didn't buy groceries for the diet, so I'm going to start next Monday. We push it off, and we push it off, and we push it off. But just like the dieting and exercise, it takes discipline, right? We, we've got to do it. But when you think not of the consequences of not doing it, but of the benefits of prayer, Hallelujah, I'll tell you, time with Jesus is never time wasted. Hallelujah, when you take out the time, even if it's five minutes, when you spend time in the upper room, hallelujah, you'll never feel wasted. You'll feel renewed. You'll feel regenerated. You'll feel strengthened. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I think it's a little harder for us today because we lose sight of the promise the disciples were there they were eager because they were waiting praying watching because they were expecting something to happen well we can expect something to happen amen when we spend time in prayer God honors that we know and we're I'm sure going to talk about next week the power that we have with his spirit the power that we have with the Holy Ghost hallelujah and if you've never experienced that please ask us after service you can be filled with his spirit and you can have the power from on high hallelujah hallelujah we have that same power. Hallelujah. We have that same promise. They were waiting for Jesus. They didn't know even exactly. They knew that a comforter was coming. I, I think maybe they thought that, you know, Jesus was going to return again as, as a person. I don't know. But we know that Jesus is coming back. And we have the hope of eternity with him. We have a promise. Hallelujah. I know it's a journey to the upper room, but the benefits and the rewards are worth every minute spent in prayer. Amen. We can come to church with an expectation. We can come to the altar eager and ready to receive a, mir a miracle. Hallelujah, because God has promised us. I think of Hannah. Hannah was barren. And she wanted a child, and she found herself in the house of God praying. She found her upper room, and she prayed, and she sought God. When we pray, God can open a barren womb. And Peter, when he was in prison, the church gathered together, and they prayed. They didn't just say, God, please do something for Peter. In Jesus' name, amen. It says that he, they were continually in prayer. They prayed until the chains fell. They were still praying, not knowing that Peter was released from prison. And he comes knocking on the door. When we pray, chains can be broken. Hallelujah. And Moses, he encountered God in such a way that everyone around him could see it. Moses, we see all throughout his life, he prayed and he sought God, and he had a beautiful relationship with God. We know the burning bush, but the 
experience I'm talking about is when he said, show me your glory. And God did. He showed him the back of his form. And it says that Moses' face shone so that he had to wear a veil because those around couldn't even look at him. And it wasn't even what Moses saw. It was a reflection of what Moses saw. Hallelujah. And when we find the upper room and when we have a lifestyle of prayer, everyone around will see it. Hallelujah. His light will shine through us. Hallelujah. We can have an encounter with God like we've never had before. Hallelujah. There are things that God has prepared for his people that only those that are willing to go up to the upper room will experience. There are revelations of his word. There are anointings of his spirit that will not come down to us. We have to go up and get them. Hallelujah. The upper room was called the upper room because it was just that. It was on a second story. You had to climb. You had to go up in order to go in. A couple months ago, it was October, we went to, we had the the privilege to go to general conference. It's usually up north and in different states, but it happened to be in Orlando this year, so we didn't want to miss the opportunity. It's where everyone within our organization can gather um, and come to, you know, a service or, you know, it's a couple day service, a conference. So instead of, you know, we were all, my in-laws, the whole family was going. And so instead of getting separate hotel rooms, my mother-in-law was like, well, let's just get a house. You know, it'll have a kitchen. That way we can cook and have dinners together. And then, you know, everybody can kind of do their own thing. So we have this vacation house and our room was upstairs. And I, growing up, never had a house with stairs. I lived in Florida my whole life. We just have one-story houses. And so day one, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm jogging up the stairs. I'm okay. Oh, I need something upstairs. Let me go get it. And oh, okay, got to go downstairs. Everything was good. By day three, four, my calves were burning. There were things upstairs. I was like, it can wait. I'm just, nope. I'm not, I'm not going up there. I'm not going to get it. And so as I went on, going up those stairs kind of got harder and harder, right? And there was times where I was like, send the kids up, you know. Can you go get something upstairs for me? I just couldn't even make it up. And so I know it's a silly analogy, but going up those stairs was like going up into the upper room. It's a climb, right? We take it step by step. And we go up into the presence of God where we can receive from him, where we can receive all that God has for us. You have to go up in order to go in. Colossians 3 and 2, it says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Hallelujah. We've got to go up into the upper room. We've got to set our sights a little bit higher. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know it's difficult. I know the journey there is difficult, but if we just take one step at a time, just take five minutes a day, or just start a Bible reading program where you read a verse a day if you don't, or a chapter a day if you can, just take one step up 
into the upper room. And next thing you know, you'll be there in the presence of God. Hallelujah. And God will be pouring out his calling and his blessings and his favor on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We could stand this morning. I don't know if anyone else has ever done this. It's happened to me so many times. I'm just assuming that it happens to other people. But have you ever daydreamed about your life, your future? You know, maybe it's your career. Maybe you can kind of just see yourself in a different position or you can just see yourself maybe as a a young person, see yourself married or with kids, you know, just looking ahead, just kind of daydreaming about your future. Well, have you ever taken a moment to think about your life and what it would be like if you really gave God everything? If we can, can we just close our eyes and and picture it for a moment? If you really gave your life to God and your commitments to prayer and reading his word. It may look different to each and every person in here. It may be you preaching from a pulpit. It may be you up here singing. It may be you just praying over somebody in the altar and they receive a healing. What does it look like for you when you're in that upper room and you're in the presence of God and he can speak to you and he can work through you? What does it look like for you? Hallelujah, because all of those things are possible in the upper room. You've just got to go up. Hallelujah. And sometimes, not just sometimes, but when you go up to the upper room, it means you have to leave some things behind. And that can be difficult. I know it's hard. The Bible says, set aside every weight that doth so easily beset us. I know you've got to set some things aside. You've got to set some time aside. Hallelujah. But we have a promise. Hallelujah. That God will give us power in his spirit. That God will give us eternity with him. Hallelujah, and I wonder if we can come down to the altar this morning and if we could just talk to God. And today I don't want us to just have an experience in the altar. I want us to go into the upper room. Hallelujah, if we can, we'll just turn this altar call into a prayer meeting. Hallelujah, can we enter in? to the upper room can we take a moment to really get into the presence of God can we take a moment maybe it means making some commitments to God today maybe it means repenting this morning maybe it means laying some things aside oh hallelujah but I can tell you there is power in prayer Hallelujah, if there's a need that you have, it can be met in the upper room. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, speak to him this morning. Talk to him like he's your best friend. He's right here. His presence is here. 